Thank you to our sponsor, Tony Overbay, licensed marriage family therapist and host of one of my very favorite podcasts, The Virtual Couch. Tony has an amazing addiction recovery course for pornography addicts. He also came out with this new course for marriages called the Magnetic Marriage Course. What can you expect from the course? Tony says, instead of keeping score like they're on opposing teams, our couples are raving fans of each other. Find out all about it at TonyOverbay.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU Podcast Season 2 Finale! This is Episode 100, We Save Kids by Saving Ourselves First. Listeners, there's over 100 episodes of content on the ICU Podcast. It makes me so happy because this podcast has been a place where I've been able to meet so many people. I've been given so many opportunities for speaking, for writing, for meeting amazing influencers. And by far the most meaningful of all of it has truly been the relationships I've made with you. You know, I really thought long and hard about this episode, and I really wanted to finish up this season with what's been on my heart. Today is going to be full of thoughts and feelings and experiences I've been having that are really pushing me into this next chapter of my life. As I look forward at this new chapter in my life, I want to contribute. I want to pave new paths, help people discover possibilities they never imagined, I see a great need in our society to help others become more mentally and emotionally strong, to feel hope. It's probably no secret to you that I want to help save kids from some of the negative trends I see today. You know, in our society, I see an increase in anxiety, depression, and suicide, and especially in isolation. Now, I'm not saying that I can save kids from anxiety and depression. I I certainly do not have that power. However, having read and listened and experienced so much around this topic, I know for myself some tools and skills in my own life that have really transformed my own mental and emotional resiliency. And one of the great truths I know is that it is going to be very, very difficult to save the kids around us to develop that emotional resiliency if the adults who are with them the most consistently aren't able to model it for them. I can go into a school or I can go speak to a youth group and and talk about these tools and that's great and I hope they're inspired, but there's no one I believe that has greater consistent influence than their parents and their educators, those people that are around them all the time. And so for me, I feel like the greatest shot I have at helping save kids from some of these plagues that are really skyrocketing is saving their adults first. I've been thinking a lot about why I've been feeling such a drive to help see these adults and help them learn the coping skills. Why do I feel so compelled towards this audience specifically, the adults that are surrounding these kids? I think part of the reason is I think of myself as a kid and how amazing it would have been if I could have learned some of these skills as a kid that I didn't, I didn't learn until my 20s and years of therapy. I just think that could have been life-changing. And that's not to say that I have regrets or that I think my life hasn't happened how it was supposed to for a reason. I think it did. I think my life is exactly how it's supposed to be right now. And man, I'm just so excited to parent and teach kids with what I know now. There's nothing I want more to give my own children and to the youth I talk to than the things that took me years of therapy to understand. And of course, they're going to make their own choices. But man, I really think we adults have a lot to offer. 
Some of my darkest experiences came before I had kids, but some came after. That is also in part, I think, why I'm feeling this great passion to move forward this way. I can tell you that having kids while experiencing debilitating mental anguish was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't parent the way I wanted to. I sure tried to keep them away from the dark, ugly things I was feeling for them to not see me cry as often, but I'm sure they still felt some of that stress. Kids can feel that, and I've worked really hard to forgive myself for that. None of us are perfect as parents, as educators, as leaders. My kids were my motivation to get better. They were my hope because... No matter what was going on inside of me, looking at their little squishy faces, I saw that there was future, that there was possibility, that there was light, that maybe I wasn't feeling inside for myself, but I could still see it in their eyes. I would hope that everyone would want to be mentally strong and have this emotional resilience for them, that they want to overcome their obstacles because they know that they are personally worth it. But if that's not being enough, if someone is struggling to feel the motivation to live and love better, I think kids are a pretty beautiful motivation to help each of us improve. And the good news is, while there were moments in my own life where my motivation maybe felt solely for my husband and my kids, I began to feel that motivation for myself. I saw how they loved me, how much they needed me. And I think when we are around kids and we see the way that our positive growth affects them and we see the way that they want to embody what we're doing, I think we gain greater love for ourselves as well. Having people love me that needed me has been such a healing, beautiful part of my story. I would say to all of us, the kids in our world need us. They need us to thrive. They need us to not just survive life, but to learn how to be happy and to embrace all the feelings. They need us to learn and understand and apply tools that help us feel peace in life. I'm talking about this because I continue to experience firsthand how sometimes my own issues bleed out onto the kids around me. It's a real thing. I'm not talking about this to pretend like I have it all figured out because I obviously don't. Today, I just want to share some thoughts of things I am and and have learned through mistakes, through study, and through just a lot of observation as I have taught school and as I've become a parent and as I've talked to different youth groups. On this podcast, we talked a lot about the challenges that myself and others have overcome. Those are beautiful parts of our stories for all of us. And more than just overcoming challenges, I want for all of us to be full of joy and light. I don't expect or think it would be healthy for all of us as adults to be in a constant state of happiness. That's not reality, right? And I think growth is so important and the growth that comes from experiencing negative emotions. There are so many tools that we need as adults to pass on and model for the kids around us. And I just want to touch on three of those today. These are tools that they keep coming back over and over again as I've done these interviews on the podcast and as I've talked to different audiences the importance of being okay with negative emotion, self-compassion, and embracing our differences. So a couple of weeks ago, my kids and I had been hanging out at my sister's house. And as we started to pack up the car to leave, my five-year-old son, Sam, started telling me he was hungry. He says, mom, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And he probably was. It was getting close to dinner time. And I I told him, I said, you know what? We're going to go have dinner as soon as we get home. And I just want you to wait. 
I was in a little bit of a hurry and I knew that if we stopped to find a snack at my sister's that then my daughter was going to need one and that it was going to become this whole thing and we were already getting in the car. I also knew that they'd had a snack recently and so I knew they'd be okay. We only live eight minutes away from my sister's house. I, I told Sam, you know, no, we're going to go home. And I had Rob preheat the oven. I even called him. We were going to have delicious little chicken preheated bites from Sam's Club that we love and I knew dinner would be ready soon. But Sam, who has a fairly calm temperament in general, he threw the biggest tantrum I think I've ever seen him throw. He lost his mind. His crying turned to screaming. He didn't want to get into the car. And then he even punched me as I started putting him inside the car. Then he started threatening me, saying, I'm going to unlock my seatbelt when we were driving on the busy road, which is like a little bit laughable, but it was also super sad. I could tell he was not in control of his emotions and he was just exploding. He probably was hungry, right? As this was happening and as he's freaking out, I was just thinking about how much, how much easier it would be to just turn around and go back to my sister's house in some ways or to stop at McDonald's. And I'm not saying that there aren't times when that's the right choice, but I knew that in that moment, I would be turning around the car to get him a snack, not because I think that's what's best for him in that moment, but because I was sick of hearing the screaming and the anger and the distress he was going through. Even though I didn't think it was the best choice for him and our family, I mean, what would he have learned if I had done that? I hate watching my kids cry, but I'm learning by making mistakes and enabling certain behaviors that it's really important for our kids to cry sometimes and to feel negative emotions. I'm so quick to want to alleviate all stress and pain in their life. I want to give them this perfect childhood. But that's because sometimes it stresses me out and it makes my life harder to watch all of their negative emotions unfold. I can't help but think and realize that so much of the conflict I've been through personally was my inability to process negative emotions in a safe, healthy way. I spent a lot of years terrified of opening up and looking at certain parts of my life, of recognizing shame and resentment that was just sitting there. It was scary. I was scared of picking up those experiences and looking at them closely. So I really want to equip kids with a set of tools to help them be successful in navigating negative emotions in hopes that some of them will maybe be a little bit better equipped than I was. In that moment when we're in the car, if I had given Sam what he wanted, if I you know, turned around and said, okay, buddy, you know, we'll go back to Amy's. We'll go get a treat. As I said, I'd be doing it to make my life easier, not his. I know he's not starving. I know that he'll be okay. I knew he had just had a snack recently and I knew we were so close to the house, but I don't like watching him experience negative emotion. And that's sometimes why I give in. If as the adult, I'm acting out of anxiety and fear because I want so badly for my kid's life to be perfect I'm worried it might stunt their emotional growth. And I think the same goes for all kids. As adults, we have to take care of ourselves to educate ourselves, to have self-compassion and boundaries for ourselves, all of these things, if we want to help these kids navigate this, this totally different world that's unfolding than what we grew up with. So I'm learning it's okay for Sam to experience a little bit of hunger and to see that he's okay. It's okay for Lydia, for instance, to get her feelings hurt. And to cry for a minute. And certainly, I do what I need to to provide consequences and comfort in a lot of situations. But I'm learning that it's so, so important that I don't teach my kids to be afraid of negative feelings like sadness, like nervousness, even anger. These aren't things we need to be afraid of and to numb all of the time. I mean, I find myself as an adult trying to numb these feelings, right? I think we all do that. 
when we're stressed. Uh, maybe we scan through a social media feed to distract ourselves, or maybe we eat even though we're not hungry. We all want to be conscious of making decisions with intention instead of just trying to numb uncomfortable feelings like boredom or pain. And I'm not trying to make this black and white, like it's never okay to use coping skills. I think as long as we know why we do what we do, I think that's a great start because then we can choose how to cope and change at any time if we want to. But if we as adults, if we don't know how to process negative emotion, we might be tempted to really protect our kids from growth from letting them feel sad and see that they do feel better again, to feel bored and see that they can survive an hour with nothing to do. They're not going to die. They don't need to be afraid of that. I think we're taking the anxiety down by letting them experience these negative emotions in a safe way. The next one I just want to touch on is self-compassion. As adults, this self-compassion is so, so key. I think about the impact it could have on kids if their teacher came in, for instance. Let's picture an elementary school and they have a teacher come in and say, oh, you guys, I was so frustrated with myself because I forgot my keys and I couldn't remember where they are. And I started saying to myself in my head, you know, ah, why did you do that? You're the worst. And then I remembered how I'm trying to be more self-compassionate. And so I, I started talking to myself like a friend. Maybe that feels contrived, but how powerful would that be to have little, little kids see self-compassion modeled, to watch their parents, to watch their teachers, to watch their leaders talking to themselves like they would a friend, talking about themselves like they would a friend. Powerful, powerful stuff. Because when we speak small of ourselves, kids are listening. When a teacher complains about their body and how they don't like it, it's sending a really clear message to everyone in that room. It's sending a message that our body size is super important. And it's unfortunately becomes a temptation for those students in that classroom to criticize their own bodies. We can be better. I know we can. There's so much hope. There are so many courses and books and podcasts for self-improvement. We can't expect this rising generation is going to pick up this stuff just intuitively. They need examples. I really believe we are the ones to show them the way. I feel like my kids are better off because of the self-compassion I have for myself. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but man, the more self-compassion I have, the better parent I am to them because I'm modeling it for them. I'm modeling self-care. I'm modeling boundaries. And I have to talk about, (laughs) I've talked about it so many times, this idea of what makes you different makes you powerful, embracing our differences. You know, if we as adults believe that we're unique, that we have gifts to offer the world that are uniquely ours, that really gives permission for others to do the same. As leaders and educators, as parents, as these people that have consistent influence in the life of the youth today, we really can do wonders for these kids by showing them what it looks like to fully embrace who we are. I mean, I think of my greatest mentors in my life and they know who they are. They know who they are and because of that, their own security in who they are They have all this space for me to encourage and coach me because they're not sitting there looking into a mirror, picking themselves apart for their mistakes. One of the greatest examples I have of this is my good friend. Her name is Sydney Jakes. She's been on the podcast and Sydney is an incredibly successful engineer. She owns her own engineering company. She's a successful business consultant and speaker. She travels all over the world 
And she's been an incredible mentor to me. And I really believe a lot of that is because she's firm on who she is. She's confident in what she's doing with her life. So even though she's so busy, she has this emotional and mental capacity to kind of bring me under her wing because she's not so stressed out about what people think about her. She knows who she is and she's consistently developing herself and that brings confidence. The kind of confidence that then she can look at someone younger than her and she can pass that on. It's just truth. When we embrace who we are, we make everyone around us better, especially those who I see as most vulnerable in their development, children, teenagers. I am so excited about empowering adults so that they can show these kids how you lead a successful, peace-filled life. We can process our negative emotions. We can be okay with them. I think that takes some mindfulness. We can exercise and model self-compassion. We can embrace ourselves. And we are the ones to help these kids who struggle. This is not a hopeless cause. And it's certainly not just suicide prevention. I recently spoke at a high school that has experienced three suicides just this year so far. It's just been so heartbreaking for this school. And these kids are having to grow up so quickly. And it was so interesting talking to them. And the thought as I talked to the principal of the school afterwards was, we need to do so much more than just prevent suicide. This is about loving our lives, the good and the hard. It's all so meaningful and so important. This is about becoming emotionally resilient as people and passing that along to these kids who are being raised in a different world than we were. But I want us to like our lives so much. We're doing more than just preventing suicides. We're living full, abundant lives in, yes, an unknown future, but in a mindful one day at a time kind of way, because I personally have found that's the best way to live. Okay, I have to share a story with you that has really helped propel me in this mission where I want to see these kids by seeing their adults first. I received an email from a stranger who had seen a screenshot of someone with my book on Facebook and written this post. So it's kind of like through a stranger from a stranger. This woman that wrote this post on Facebook, she received a copy of my book and this is what she said. So someone sent me this book a few weeks ago. I don't know who, but I am super grateful. I've been reading and learning and trying to see people. So yesterday I gave one of my students a card. He's one that is easy to miss, to not see, but I've been trying to look for the ones that are harder to see. And I found him. So I wrote him a simple note telling him that he has seen and that I know he can do great things and that he will do great things. And then I found it on the floor at the end of the day the note. And I felt stupid, like I had read the book wrong or done the application in real life all wrong. I kept it. For some reason, the note. And then this morning, I opened my email to this, and I cried and was grateful. For whomever sent me the book, for seeing, for the boy who wants the simple note his teacher wrote, going to look for more of my students to see. They so desperately need to be seen, to be believed in, to be known. And then with it, she has a screenshot here of the email that this boy sent her in return. He says, Hey, Miss Bradford, I might have left your card in your room. I'm so sorry if I did, but I cannot find it. And I wanted to just have it in my room. And if it isn't there, do you mind writing it on a smaller piece of paper, preferably fit in a phone case that's the size of my phone size? It really meant a lot to me. And I would love to just have it on me constantly to look at just to give myself inspiration. 
This was such a miracle to receive this email and to see how people are really doing what they can to change the world, doing what they can to see the kids in their lives. This woman, this incredible teacher in Texas that I've never met, Miss Bradford, she obviously has the mental and emotional space to see this student. And I believe it's because she develops herself. The more that I've reached out to her on Facebook, she is a woman who is trying to do good. She's not sitting and staring in a mirror about all of her flaws, but she's taking care of her needs so that she can do this for her students. And it just blows me away. There is so much hope in this future of ours, and we are doing it, and we can do it. We can save these kids as we take care of ourselves first. We then can model for them what it is they need to not just survive, but thrive in this world. Thank you again to our incredible sponsor, Tony Overbay, host of the Virtual Couch Podcast, licensed marriage family therapist. I just adore everything he does. Everything he touches is full of light and happiness and joy. He is the best of the best. And what I love most about Tony is he's really open about his own stuff. He's super real and he has all this incredible advice and it's like free therapy on your phone. Go check out everything he's doing, especially that new magnetic marriage course, all at TonyOverbay.com. Podcast listeners, this is amazing. I know you can probably tell my nose is stuffy, okay? But it's still amazing, even if I have a stuffy nose. As we tie up season two, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the messages, for the feedback, for the sharing. I'd love for you to pick up a copy of my book, I See You, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. You can find it everywhere through my website, julieleespeaks.com. You can find it on Amazon, cedarfort.com. Walmart. I think it might be at Barnes and Noble. I don't know, but it's on Amazon, right? That's where everyone seems to be ordering. But man, if you'd pick it up for yourself or pick it up for a friend, change is happening. Impact is happening. And I'm grateful to just be able to hear some of these stories. Now the audiobook is out and that's super exciting. And I promise I don't have a stuffy nose on my reading of the book because I do read it. And if you go on Amazon right now to my book, I See You, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives, you can actually listen to a sample of the book and hear me read the entire foreword by Tim Ballard, the founder of Operation Underground Railroad. So that's kind of cool. Thank you for the responses I've received so far. Please leave reviews on Amazon. That helps it come up more quickly in the search. And if you can leave a review on this podcast and share, that's always helpful. I'm just in one of those moods where I love the whole world. And I know that we can change the world and we do it by saving ourselves first. There's hope. Keep fighting the good fight. Life is good. All my love. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.